Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. It is your host with the most, Brendan Thomas Marrett. <laughs> uh, as you can uh, hear from uh, the voice you're not used to at this point in the program, Logan is still not here. For those of you who are wondering, oh my goodness, have they had a falling out? Is Logan gone forever? What's going on? <laughs> you might remember he, he did pull a, an in absentia about this time last year too. He is alive and well. We are still good. We talk all the time. But uh, he is on an island that virtually lacks internet connection. <laughs> so uh, hopefully someday he'll be back on the mainland. And uh, we can have a, a proper chat and find out what adventures he's been on together. So today I'm going to give you a story from Irish mythology. It's Ireland's creation myth, actually. Uh, and then we're going to look at a passage of scripture that I think uh, blends with it quite nicely. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wango puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that'll keep you engaged for hours. Plus, their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wango puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. They're 100% wooden puzzles, so they last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wango puzzles are a cut above the rest. Logan I got the snow globe puzzle, and he said it took him about an hour to complete it, and he absolutely loved it. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick up your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code from Dublin to Cleveland to get 10% off your order. Okay, guys, so uh, today's story is on the creation of Ireland, according to one of our most famous myths. So the part of Ireland that I live in is called County Louth, or Asguilga Contelu. It's in the northeast of the country. Uh, my county touches against Northern Ireland, that imaginary non-existent country. <laughs> Don't get offended, Northern Irelanders. Uh, some people say it's a country. Some people say it's a province of Great Britain or the UK. Some people say it's a state. If I had to acknowledge it, I would say it's a state. I do not recognize it as a country in and of itself. Uh, for those of you who cannot even picture what that looks like, <laughs> imagine like Vatican City in Rome. You know, it's in Italy, but it's not like a country in a country. It's just in a, its own independent state. Think of Northern Ireland along those lines. So uh, my county touches against that one. Uh, I'm about 30 minutes from the invisible border. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a very, very ancient place. My county and the one just south of mine, Meath, are two very, very significant counties in our history and our mythology. They were rooted in, um, mysticism, in spirituality, in history, in culture. 
as people are driving through these places or investigating or um, spotting all the, the tourist sites, they do get a sense that they're in a very special place. And uh, that can also be said for the west of Ireland. Uh, we have a cultural capital, Galway, and that's a phenomenally beautiful part of the country as well, where we've still got um, graves all along Galway and the wild Atlantic Way from thousands of years ago, four and five thousand years. So if ever you want a holiday in Ireland, don't be put off by how often we complain about the rain, okay? <laughs> We're a green country because of all the rain. Deal with it. It is the middle of summer right now, and I'm looking at terrain. But you know what? It in no way disenfranchises me. It's still a beautiful country nonetheless. So in our creation myth for Ireland, um, the story goes that three beings came from across the sea. And uh, one of them was called Erin. Erin and her two sisters. Ireland in Irish is Erin. Or the Republic of Ireland is Bunrocht Naherin. So Erin, Erin. We're named after this particular character. Uh, as the story goes, she was a goddess. Don't say, I thought this was a Christian channel! And X out. <laughs> it's a story, people. Relax the gags. <laughs> Every every country and nation has these stories. Just roll with it. Um, so she was part of a group called the Tuaha de Danon. Um, Some people think there might actually be a biblical connotation there. One of its translations is the tribe of Dan. Some people suspect that they may possibly have run away to Ireland during the Babylonian invasion um, referenced in Isaiah in the Bible, um, and may even have taken Goliath's weapons with them, um, his sword and spear, because such weapons do occur in a lot of our stories, myths, and legends. So who knows, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, our Ireland and Israel do have certain fascinating um, echoes if you will, historically. So they belonged to a group called the Tuaha de Danaun, and then more of the Tuaha de Danaun followed after them. So the god of ancient Ireland in the mythology was called the Dagda. He was both god and the devil. <laughs> he was the Dagda when he was the god of light, and he was Adunna when he was the god of darkness. Uh, he had control over both. Um, he had like a paradisal kind of abode, but also had a, a hellish dimension thing going on as well. Uh, he was married to a crow, <laughs> and she was a goddess, but uh, she looked like a crow. And uh, there were all manner uh, of different um, creatures under them. So at one point, um, the Tuatha Dé Danann had a king on the earth as representative, basically, um, of, of their power in Ireland. And his name was Nuada. He was a great king, he was a great fight, he was a strong man. However, one day in battle, he lost a hand. If you had any physical blemish or imperfection, you could not be a king in Ireland. So he was deposed and dethroned. Uh, that's also true, historically, for our chiefs and kings. Uh, we have a 
an exhibit in the National History Museum called um, The Bog Bodies, where basically, <laughs> historically, if you wanted to hide a crime in Ireland, you went to the bogs. You'd kill someone, chuck them up, chuck them in a bog, and they would never be found uh, until centuries and millennia later. So we now have a section in the Archaeology Museum in Dublin, our capital, as I just say, our cultural capital, but that's definitely not Dublin, that's Galway. Dublin's far too cosmopolitan. Um, but the bog bodies are there, and it gives you descriptions about what age they were, what height they were, their hair colour, their eating habits, and uh, how they died. And why they were probably murdered. So one of the bodies um, is missing nipples. So the idea is that he was probably next in line to be the chief of a community and was killed to prevent that from happening. So after the Nuada, sorry, King Nuada, lost his hand, he, he lost his position. So instead, another king named Brez was put in place. Brez loved taxes. <laughs> so the people hated Brez. Brez had relatives who were supernatural in nature, demonic even, and they lived in the Hebrides, basically Scotland. And you'll notice in all of our stories, Britain was always invading us, even long before the 1200s. Um, so these bestial creatures uh, decided to come to Ireland and take over. You know, was it a, a revised story in later centuries? Was it prophetic? Who knows? So Brez kind of helped them. He, they were his relatives, and uh, he didn't really think it was a bad idea for the people who love taxing to be punished by uh, international neighbours. So their warlord, their champion, was a giant cyclops called Balor of the Evil Eye. So he had this massive eyeball, presumably only one. It's never said in the stories he only had one, but people picture it just as one. It had a ring on it, and it took four men to lift the ring. But when his eyelid was lifted, he would shoot out fire and lightning. Um, he was a tremendously powerful foe. And he came with dozens um, of demons to attack the Tuatha Dei Danaun. Um, they caused incredible damage to Ireland's geography and also uh, its citizenry. Every attempt to fight back against the invaders failed. And then one day, just from the sea, out popped an incredible warrior named Lou. Now it's not Lou as in the toilet, people. <laughs> it's Lou as in where I live, Conte Lou, County Loud. And uh, he came out on a big white horse, a big sword in his hand, and uh, he was basically in Irish mythology, the god of the sea. And um, but he was actually related to uh, to um, the the monarchs at the time. So he came out. And he helped fight back against Balor of the Evil Eye's forces. And then he had this stroke of genius. He said, you know what? The Eye is their source of power. So it's probably also their weakest spot, their Achilles heel. 
So he got four men together to approach Balor of the Evil Eye while he was asleep. The four men lifted the ring, lifted it up, and while Balor was asleep, before he even knew what was happening, threw the sword, or thrust the sword, through his eye, and he died. Balor got up like, shaking all over the place, waving his arms frantically, and then fell on his back and crushed 27 of the Fremorians, his army. Um, the two had days now chased after them, slaughtering them. Suddenly, you know, they were reinvigorated with a sense of zeal and a, a sense of impending victory. And the other Fremorians ran away, um, like chickens, back to the Hebrides and back to Scotland, the Scottish Isles. Um, and then Lou eventually uh, became widely renowned across the lands. Uh, for his great heroics in that battle. And my county is actually named after him. Now, Lou would later have a son named Setanta, or Kukulin, who had have a best friend called Ferdia. And I have shared that story before about those two best friends who eventually became enemies, where one had to kill the other. And now my hometown is called Oha Urdia, Erdi, the town of Ferdia, and the town next to me is called Cullen, or in Irish, Cullen, the son of Lou, and both of those are situated in County Louth. Uh, even in a, the town about 20 minutes from me, called Undock, we have a Crown Plaza building, and painted on it is Lou, uh, the warlord from the sea, with a, a lightning sparkling sword. So, um, you know, with mythology and the likes, okay, as Christians, you can take it or leave, you don't have to believe all of it. You might see, okay, elements of maybe history of the Nephilim there to an extent, or you might just say, okay, they're fun little stories, uh, but, you know, don't believe them or don't go too far off the deep end. <laughs> but uh, in Ireland, the myths and legends have a lot of significance in terms of the place names all around the country. And the place names are very, very rich here. The Irish language is incredibly, incredibly rich and detailed and rooted in the oral traditions stretching back to uh, the first people who arrived here. So we've just looked at a story then of a, a great war between the people and a giant. And uh, I kind of alluded to this ever so slightly in the last video. I myself have been taking down some giants recently. <laughs> they tried to squash me last week. I ran rings around them. So it's a uh, part two. Part two is coming up, basically, uh, the following Monday from this video. But you know what? God is absolutely good. Never, ever forget that, friends. He is on your side. So here's a story just to encourage you about when a Bible hero had to go up against a giant, had to contend with him. This is a shepherd boy called David, a very unlikely hero. I'm going to his brother, he just had a few scrawny sheep to look after. So apparently he wasn't even a very good or prosperous shepherd. Israel had a giant 
Saul was taller than every other Israelite, but he was a coward. David's older brothers were cowards. The men of Israel were cowards, and they all just stood by while Goliath ran up and down a valley, blaspheming God. And eventually David said, enough of this nonsense. Someone's got to sort him out, and it's me. Now, David did not wear the crown of the king, but he had been given the anointing in 1 Samuel 16. So let's see what it says in chapter 17, verse 41 onwards. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. Now, Goliath is supposed to be like this ferocious, incredible, undefeatable villain. <laughs> Yet even he's hiding behind a shield bearer. Even he needs protection in his mind. I don't think he knew that he was fighting against the Lord's anointed, but uh, there was some degree of cowardice there underneath all that metal, all that bronze, all that protective armor. He said to David uh, regarding his slingshot, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know <laughs> it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Because, you know, David wasn't holding either of those things. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. No fear. He wasn't just speaking a word of faith, you know, in, <laughs> in a place of doubt. He believed what he was saying. I've lost my place because of that little tangent. There we go. Reaching into his bag and taking it a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. You know, a lot of people often think, huh, shouldn't he have fallen on his back? I kind of like to imagine God just kicking him <laughs> in the back so he falls over on his head. <laughs> and so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron, Philistine territory. Their dead were strewn along the Sharem road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camps. 
David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Uh, as Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as sure as Lord live, O oh God. Oh God. Oh King. <laughs> I'm not used to saying King when there's a big O by itself in the Bible. Oh King. I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, so a couple minutes later, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. You know what? Why not? Knock yourself out, kid. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. And then David said something very, very bold that Saul probably did not like. Because I'm sure all of Israel at this point had heard about the prophecy regarding Jesse's bloodline and the role of kingship there. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. When we go through challenges in life, we need to assume a posture of faith. That involves courage, friends. It involves being brave, because the challenges we face are not easy. And even if you almost feel embarrassed for being upset by the challenges you face, hey, pain is relative. And the enemy who assigns wickedness and demons and strategies and weapons of warfare against you, they're very pointed. They're tailor-made for you, to stop you, to hinder you, to stop what God has planned in your life. But God is able. Okay, before David took down that Philistine, he'd already taken down bears and lions. And you know what? People often think of that story as like the pinnacle of David's life. The attacks just got harder. They got more personal. They got more violent. They got more visceral. But God was with him. And God is with you. So no matter what you face, this week, this month, this year, next year, the next decade, for the rest of your life, <laughs> remember, God is absolutely good. He is on your side. And while some people might say that you're young and despise you, or you're old and despise you, David knew his identity. Okay, if you look through that chapter, he's called a shepherd, a shepherd of scrawny sheep, young. His brother, Eliab absolutely laces into him with the most horrific and unfounded personality denigrations and character assassinations, saying, you know, he's conceited, he's got notions of grandeur, he's arrogant. But David knew who he was. Okay, I'll read it again. David said, I am the son, the son, and you friends are sons of God, daughters of God. So no matter what your family speak over you, assuming it's out of line with what God does, or what your friends say, or what strangers think, or what teachers say, or your boss says, or colleagues say, or sports coaches say, know that you know that you know you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, the King of Israel, the King of Heaven, and he is absolutely good, absolutely in love with you, and when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of himself through Jesus Christ looking back at him. Amen. Amen.
So God, please bless everyone who's under the sounds of my voice today. No matter what they're going through, give them courage. Give them bravery. Let the ferociousness of lions rise up from within them, Lord God. To hate evil, to resist evil, to love what's God, to love you, and to know you're on their side. And through you, they can do anything. Nothing is impossible for them. Through you, with your hand of favour upon their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Guys, have a super Saturday. Have a super special, awesome, wonderful week. And uh, I can't wait to face you next week. And who knows? Maybe Logan will be with us back then. <laughs> At this point, you might be thinking I'm just holding out on you. I don't even know when he'll show and when he won't. But uh, that's okay. We'll be surprised together. <laughs> Bye, friends. Take care now. Bye-bye.